Welcome to Clinical Neurology Podcast where you will learn over 12 episodes how to localize a lesion in neurology based on history taking and physical examination. The podcast is meant for medical students and to make them enjoy learning neurology. Medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, critical care, neurology residents, general practitioners and nurse practitioners will find it beneficial. Study materials and clinical resources for the podcast are available in show description and at neurologyteachingclub.com website. I am your host Dr. Krishnadas NC and let's get started. In this episode, we will learn the functions of the various lobes of the brain. We will do that with the help of clinical cases. It won't be a comprehensive discussion on the lobe functions but an introduction to the fascinating world of cognitive neuroscience. Let us start with a case. A 50-year-old banker was brought by his family to the neurology outpatient department with 6 months history of progressive cognitive decline. Premorbidly, he was a hard-working, polite, family-loving gentleman. The first symptom noticed was that he became rude and over-talkative to his colleagues. He commented about the dress of the female staff which was not of his nature. One day he was found watching porn in his office. When inquired about it by seniors, he was very casual and didn't look embarrassed or apologetic. At home, he got angry with the kids quickly. When his wife fell ill, he didn't bother to take care of her or inquire about the disease. He needed to be coaxed to brush his teeth and bathe daily. He had a newfound liking for sweets and started to spend a lot of money on online lottery. He started a car washing service near his home, far from the highway, which was shut down 2 months later. He almost met with an accident as he was not looking to either side before crossing the road. With these symptoms, he was taken to a psychiatrist and referred to neurology. This case illustrates most of the clinical features of frontal lobe dysfunction. There are three frontal circuits associated with cognition. These include dorsolateral prefrontal, orbitofrontal and anterior cingulate. The dorsolateral prefrontal circuit is responsible for attention, working memory and executive function. Dysfunction in this circuit is linked to environmental dependency syndromes like utilization and imitation behavior, poor planning, mental inflexibility and deficits in working memory. The lack of planning in starting a business where the patient has no experience and in a remote area is a classic example of executive dysfunction. The orbitofrontal circuit is responsible for our personality, behavior and emotional states. Lesions are associated with impulsivity, disinhibition, aggression, socially inappropriate behavior and mental inflexibility. His change in behavior at home and office and lack of empathy when his wife was sick suggest orbitofrontal involvement. The anterior cingulate or mesial frontal circuit is essential in pursuing and regulating goal-oriented behavior. Lesions of the anterior cingulate circuit causes the spectrum of amotivational syndromes namely apathy, abulia and akinetic mutism. It also causes cognitive impairment including poor response inhibition, error detection and goal-directed behavior. The patient needed to be coaxed to brush his teeth and bathe are examples of anterior cingulate involvement. The detailed lobe function examination showed involvement of the frontal more than temporal lobe and MRI brain showed atrophy of the frontal and temporal lobe consistent with the clinical diagnosis of frontotemporal dementia. If 75 year old retired school teacher presented with forgetfulness of 6 months duration he will forget where he kept his purse look for it and blame his wife for misplacing it 
he will fail to pass messages told by his children over the telephone to his wife while making tea he will not put sugar or at other times add it twice he could not tell the names of his grandchildren and distant relatives while speaking he often loses the flow and asks what was he talking about the patient has episodic memory impairment which is responsible for his misplacing objects error in cooking and failure to pass on messages The episodic memory impairment is localized to the mesial temporal lobe especially the hippocampus. The detailed lobe function examination showed temporal more than parietal more than frontal lobe involvement. MRI showed severe atrophy of the temporal lobe consistent with the clinical diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is a neurodegenerative disease which affects the medial temporal lobe early. So, memory mainly episodic memory is impaired early. As the disease evolves, other lobes like the parietal and frontal also gets involved. A 60-year-old engineer presented with history of difficulty recognizing his friends and relatives for 6 months. He came for consultation as he could not recognize his niece when she visited him. He talked to her for around 30 minutes and after she left asked his wife who she was. The rest of the history was normal except for occasional word finding difficulty. On examination it was found that he had significant prosopagnosia or problem identifying faces. He could not recognize famous movie actors and political leaders but could identify them by hearing their voices. Semantic word knowledge was grossly impaired during the neurocognitive testing to the surprise of himself and his family members. Semantics refers to the meaning of words. He could not understand what a wash basin was or describe it. He struggled with category fluency like naming seven animals but did well in verbal fluency like words starting with p. Again suggesting loss of semantics. The prosopagnosia is localized to the fusiform gyrus and semantics to the anterior and lateral temporal lobes. The possibility of semantic dementia, a variant of frontotemporal dementia was considered and the differential kept in mind was the posterior cortical atrophy variant of Alzheimer's disease. Both of these can present with prosopagnosia. The MRI brain showed significant atrophy of bilateral temporal lobe left more than right consistent with clinical diagnosis of semantic dementia. The above two cases summarize the main functions of the temporal lobe namely episodic memory in the hippocampus face recognition in the fusiform gyrus and semantic memory in the anterior and lateral temporal lobe A 63 year old farmer presented with slowness of activities and abnormal posturing of the right upper limb He had significant difficulty doing day to day activities like brushing his teeth unlocking a door or switching on a fan On examination he could not pantomime like waving bye bye with his right upper limb and he struggled to open a lock with a key he was holding the key abnormally and could not even insert the key into the hole in the lock suggesting apraxia apraxia is the inability to do a learned motor activity in the absence of weakness ataxia sensory impairment abnormal tone or involuntary movements apraxia can be caused by lesions involving the dominant inferior parietal lobule or left supplementary motor cortex corpus callosum or right supplementary motor cortex Lesion at these various sites produces various types of apraxia. The patient had stimulus sensitive myoclonus. He had cogwheel rigidity, dystonia and cortical sensory loss on the right side. Provisional diagnosis of Parkinsonian plus disease corticobasal syndrome was considered and the MRI brain showed asymmetrical atrophy of left parietal lobe consistent with the clinical diagnosis. The major function of the left parietal lobe is praxis and the lesion causes apraxia. The angular gyrus forms the posterior part of the inferior parietal lobe. Damage to the left angular gyrus by stroke or tumor causes the classic Gerstmann syndrome. 
it includes acalculia or difficulty in calculation agraphia or difficulty writing finger anomia and right left disorientation a right parietal lesion will produce hemineglect of the left side constriction and dressing up tracts and topographic disorientation a 55 year old housewife known diabetic and hypertensive presented with new onset visual symptoms in the morning she said she could not see things correctly on examination the fundus was normal and pupils were equal and reacting to light while testing vision she could not identify a pen while seeing it she could see it but could not recognize it she could match it with a picture of a pen but still could not identify it or tell its use on holding the pen in her hand she could immediately recognize it as a pen and describe its use she was diagnosed with associative visual agnosia and an mri brain showed an acute infarct involving left occipital cortex and corpus callosum in visual agnosia the patient fails to recognize objects by sight with preserved ability to recognize them through touch or hearing the vision should be normal and the patient should not have other cognitive problems there are various types like apperceptive and associative depending on the severity of visual agnosia it is caused when the information from the visual cortex fails to reach semantic conceptual field so that meaning of the visual image cannot be understood bilateral occipital infarct can cause cortical blindness and unilateral occipital infarct can cause homonymous hemianopia on the opposite side these cases discussed some of the major clinical features of lesions involving the various lobes of the brain a detailed history will often reveal these clinical findings and a thorough neurocognitive assessment will confirm them in advanced dementia the neurocognitive assessment will show involvement in all the lobes only from history will we be able to tell which lobe was first involved which is very important to making the diagnosis for example in alzheimer's disease the temporal lobe is involved early followed by parietal frontal and occipital in frontotemporal dementia the frontal lobe is first affected followed by temporal parietal and occipital lobe ultimately the diagnosis boils down to how good your history is thanks for listening to clinical neurology podcast kindly subscribe and review if you found it useful you can follow neurology teaching club instagram account for exclusive figures of this podcast and visit our website neurologyteachingclub.com for more resources the podcast and online content are meant for medical education only and should not be used to guide clinical decision making and treatment you can find more of this podcast on apple podcast spotify google podcast or wherever you get your ear candy It's Katie signing off and until we meet next time spread knowledge